0: Guys, if uh, you want to start making your way to uh, to your seats, uh, if you don't if you don't have a Bible, uh, we've got some Bibles on the, the front table over here. Uh, if you don't own a Bible or you don't have one where you're headed to next, um, uh, take one with you. I would love for you to love for you to have that. Um, my name's Dave, and I'm one of the, one of the pastors here. And uh, man, we're just we're thrilled uh, to be here. We're thrilled to celebrate um, Easter, uh, Resurrection Day, and. Uh, uh, what's neat is is that if we really believe what Easter is, we really believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not just a once a year day; it's that every day is Easter. Every day is resurrection day if Jesus rose again from the dead. And so, as we get into this, uh, and and uh, the the message uh, is coming straight from the series we're walking through out of the biography of Jesus, which is called the Book of Mark. Uh, we uh, um, we're going to talk about how God still chooses disciples uh, that. I mean, some of y'all are students but a lot of y'all are adults that are in here some, some of y'all are Christians there are some of you that you're not a Christian you're not a believer in Christ you don't, you, you don't believe that Jesus was God um, or you've never come to a place of full surrender so you're not a Christian and uh, so I ask you this question up front uh, that you would consider what, you know, what do you do with Jesus do you believe that he rose again from the dead that he rose again Um, Because if he didn't, um, even Paul, who was a pillar in the building of the Christian church, he said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're worse than fools. Is basically what he said? We're worse than fools. Might as well just, I mean, let it go. I mean, if you want to get together and have a little club and sing and, and talk about morality and all that, and that's good. I mean, if he didn't rise again from the dead, then be a good person. Don't kill people and... You know, don't speed. Okay, speed some. But, you know, don't... It's, it doesn't really. It doesn't matter if Jesus didn't rise again from the dead. But if he did, that means he's God. And it changes, it changes everything. It's a game changer. And uh, so this, uh, this section in here is when Jesus uh, chose the very first disciples. And the thing I'm going to present to you that we just walked through today is that God still chooses disciples. He still does. And at the end of our time together... Um, in fact, if one of you guys want to hit a uh, timer back there, uh, at the end of our time together, I'm going to talk with Lisa, who is uh, a brand new, brand new member here at Sojourn. Uh, that she's in our Journey Group, um, our group that gets together and just kind of talks through what, who Jesus is and try to live, try to live a life uh, where we understand the g- grace and uh, try to apply that to others. Uh, that um, she's one that. God chose her as a disciple and just this past January uh, she fully surrendered to Christ he Jesus still chooses disciples let's pray okay Holy Spirit once again we, uh, we turn to you and uh, we uh, we say we, we need you um, we ask that you do uh, do something powerful among us in fact let's just let's just stop let's anchor there for a moment and uh just you yourself, just in, again, further contemplation of Jesus on the cross for you, rising again from the grave. Ask God to, to, to come and to change you today. Some of y'all may just want to join me and just pray in something to God. Just just say, uh, Holy Spirit, come and change us. Say, Holy Spirit, come and change me. Holy Spirit, come and bring the dead to life. Jesus, choose disciples today In Jesus name okay mark 1 uh, verses 16 through 20 um, if you're if you're new uh, and uh, or you've not been here before as a guest uh, welcome it's great to have you today um, we, uh, we there's some cards that are around somewhere that if you want to record that you've been here uh, if you'd love to get like to get together with a leader and have coffee maybe talk more about who jesus is we'd love to do that uh, with you um, and uh, just so you know a little bit more about what we'll be doing in the the remainder of our service we'll we'll have communion uh, at the end of our time uh, today communion I'll also called the eucharist which means thanksgiving um, uh, lord's table or, or uh, lord's supper um, what we're going to do at, at the end of this time is, is this is something that's reserved for believers. If you're, not a, if you're not a follower of Christ, it is, it's so okay for you to uh, abstain, abstain from this uh, time. And uh, so don't, don't feel awkward uh, by this. But we, what we'll do is we'll, we'll go, and, and today we'll do it a little bit different than we normally do. Uh, take the, we'll take the bread. Uh, we'll dip it into either the wine or the juice. And then everybody's going to come. Don't take it yet. Everybody's going to go back to their seats and then I'm going to read a passage uh, to you, and then we're going to take it uh, all together. Uh, and, uh, again, what, what this means, if, you are, if you're not a believer, then this is kind of just an internal family thing that we that we do that, that we'd love for you to be, be be observant of. Of This is how we proclaim, we believe, that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. That he was broken for us. And so as you see that, if you're not a follower of Christ, uh, that you just see that there's others that are making that proclamation. And uh, we... we Our hope would be that um, you'd come to an aha moment, a tipping point too, that you'd say, yeah, I believe Jesus and he died for me too and forgive me and I surrender to you Uh, because he still chooses disciples. Um, Mark uh, 1, 16 to 20, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. First thing I want to talk about in this is the, this word immediately. Uh, this is one of the words that you're going to see a lot as we walk through this biography of Jesus it's called Mark, um, that, that, he, that, that Jesus did a lot of things immediately. He was a man of action. And even when it came to choosing people to say, come follow me, that, that he was one, that, that there are times in which he would seek something and immediately saw him said, now come and follow me. Come and follow me. And what's amazing is, is that, that that's what these guys did as, as well. As, as he immediately said that to them, they immediately Left what they were doing, and they came and they followed him. That they they said, "All right, I I don't know what this guy's completely about, but I'm I'm going to follow, I'm going to follow him." I want you all to think about men or maybe women in your life that that have been leaders in your life. whether it be mom or dad, uh, a coach, uh, a a principal, um, a a boss, somebody in your life that that there is just something that you're so drawn to. And it wasn't because you were paid to. It wasn't, said, it wasn't because they said, you have to obey me. You wanted to. You wanted to follow them. They were that charismatic that as they went some. if they said, I'm, I'm going over here, you, said, you would say, man, can I come with you? Can I go? Can I spend time with you? All of us, we've had charismatic leaders like that in our life. And, and if you think, maybe you're like, you know what, I don't know that there's been anybody that I've wanted to follow in that way. I want you to know Jesus is the greatest of all those leaders. That he says, come and follow me. And when he says that, when he speaks to a person, when he speaks to their heart, there's just something within us that we follow him. That we follow him. Um, they, they didn't know it all. They didn't have it all figured out. They had a lot of questions and yet they still followed Jesus. One of the most profound Moments uh, in my Christian life was I don't know seven or eight years ago, when uh, when I recognized a question, and the question that I had was when did the disciples become Christians? When were they actually born again? Uh, and um, just so you know, it uh, it doesn't really matter uh, when it happened. You don't have to pinpoint when all of them came to Christ to full surrender or when it, when any certain one of them did. But the question is important because it tells us a lot about Jesus. To know that He invited them to come and follow Him before they understood that He was God. Now that that will ring true for some of you that you look back in your life. Some of you Christians that you look back and and uh, maybe maybe you weren't an atheist, you weren't an agnostic, um, but you just remember the days in which you just did your own thing and. Um, Jesus wasn't really all that important, and then, man, something something happened, and you, and you, you followed him. And, and uh, I, I, I haven't read it yet, but I was just I just um, I saw a post the other day by, by John Piper uh, about Christopher Hitchens' brother. I don't know if, if you know Christopher Hitchens, uh, a renowned atheist who who just uh, died recently, uh, and but he's got a brother that. Who was also just a, a partner in atheism that he has come to Christ and there's a, I believe it's a, a new book that, that's just come out by, by Dawkins' brother, uh, no, I mean Hitchens, Christopher Hitchens' brother, and uh, um, that that it shows he, he talks about him coming to faith uh, in Christ uh, and and so there's. There's before you even get to that point of surrender. There's things where you start to delve into things. You start to check out who Jesus is. And I present before you that if you're if you're an unbelieving friend or an unsurrendered friend, that you just set your eyes on Jesus. That just like these disciples, they just said, you know what? Okay, if this is the most important person in history, and whether he rose again from the dead, and whether he's God, is the most are the most important questions on this earth. I'm going to leave a lot of things behind. To pursue this, and I, I encourage you to do that. You now, my, my hope is is that even today would be the day that's the tipping point in which you say, "Man, it's it's been revealed to me. I, I'm I'm there," and you surrender, and you maybe our friend becomes our family, and that we pray for that. Um, but but there's no pressure. Um, you don't need to feel like you're you're being rushed in, into anything. Um, there's some friends, maybe somebody that that, that you're you're here with, uh, um, uh, or or someone else, you know, just within this church. Man, we'd love to walk with you and to talk through as you consider this Jesus, and so you're starting to follow him even though you don't believe in his deity yet either. It's okay. It's okay. Just set your eyes on Jesus because he has set his eyes upon you. God still chooses disciples. He said to him, he said, follow me. Follow me. Um, He said, come. I mean, it it was an... Invitation. He was an invitational person. And what's great greater than that, he's an invitational God. That he says, Come. Um, one of the, the the DNA issues of this church is that we look at Jesus' example of how he invited people into himself. And and one of the things that I remember as in looking looking at the life of Jesus years ago that affected the way that we wanted just the core values of who we are as a church. We looked at how, how He was a God that He entered, He engaged the world. He invited pre disciples, or that's non believers, into His life. Uh, he uh, invited them into His community, and then eventually He, he changed their hearts. And so we we look at that and say, "All right, we're we're not to be people, we're not to be a church, or to be Christians that we pull ourselves out from the world, that we can throw rocks at the world, that we condemn the rest of the world and everybody else in the human condition. But rather, we're right in the middle of it." Now, what the Bible is it speaks to this is it says we're to be in the world but not of it, because the two extremes are or you've got separationists who just say the world's so broken, it's so horrible, all those sinners are so wicked. I'm not getting around the world, I'm not getting around the people. I'm just going to say I'm going to pull myself away from all these other sinners and just pray that Jesus comes back and saves me from the world. Now that that's that's one being separate the other extreme is when we become one with the world and, and so the brokenness of the human condition just continues to be to to go into our life and we just we surrender to the human condition. Jesus is the example. He's one he was in the world but he wasn't of it and he just said I I'm the hope of the world. And that's what God wants us to do is he wants us to say look I'm not the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. And we point we point to Him. He says, follow me. He's an invitational God. So we follow that same pattern where we engage, engage the world, where we engage pre-disciples and the unbelievers before they believe what, they be, what we believe. We don't, say our, we don't hold them hostage and say, you got to think the way that I think. you got to have the morals that I have for me to love you. That's not how God worked. That's not how Jesus worked. And if you're any of our friends in here, whether you're a non-Christian or even some Christians who think that God is holding out on you that's like you're going to have to fix yourself up and clean yourself up before I can accept you. You have a wrong view of Jesus. He's the God that goes to the broken people and says, come to me and I'll heal you. I'll give you life. And that's what we're to do as well is we don't wait for people to believe what we believe. We don't think that we're better than other people that aren't followers of Christ. But rather we just say, man, Point to Jesus We just keep pointing people to Jesus He said follow me He said follow me and I'll make you I'll make you And this is important Because as Christians um, We know there's a mission that we have for our life We know that there's, there's even the, the, the call for us to grow in Christ For us to know Him better For us to have good fruit in our life and it's vital that we understand that you cannot make fruit in your life. It's important for you to know that you, you can't do all of the works. You can't make all these things happen. God is the one that must make you. God is the one that must do it. And so I want you to be freed, to be freed up and just say, all right, God, I, 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 release, I release the thought that I can make myself grow. Because to do that, like John 15 talks about about us being branches, but Jesus being the vine. And it's as if for us even to try to do good things and, and to try to impress God uh, or, that, or to try to produce fruit, we separate ourselves from the vine. And all that happens when we do that is all the fruit shrivels up. Branches don't have to do the work. All they got to do is stay connected to the vine. And we're going to see that more, that what what our job is, is we just we just... Follow Him and trust Him and, and He'll produce fruit as we surrender, as we surrender to Him. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. Basically, you, you're going to have different eyes, is what Jesus says. That as you look at other people that are around you, you you're going to view them through my eyes instead of your eyes. Um, men and women some, some young men, young women have uh, one issue that, that we struggle with uh, is, is one of lust one where you view somebody of the opposite sex either physically, they're there in person, or maybe in print or maybe by media, on a computer or a film, a movie and, and our eyes for them are just how that person or that image can bring us pleasure us the wrong eyes. God God wants us to view other people and to say, you know what, every person that I see is either my current brother or sister or a future brother or sister. That we view everybody around us as I'm just gonna I'm just gonna assume that they're they're already in the family or they're gonna be in the family someday. And what would happen? What would happen if you viewed everybody as a big extended family? You know? I mean you you don't you don't have problems with your own family, right? Now I know I know the truth. I know that some of you guys had difficulties coming here today, and they had fight and all that. And I know we we did. We my, the few family we had some difficulties getting out of, the, out of the door today, and had some tempers tempers flare, and and uh, we got to deal with some things when we get home. And uh, um, uh, but it, it's we we just know that we just know that um that we're we're called. To view each other as family. Because, you know, I'm playing with y'all. Y'all, y'all know that, that people fight, siblings fight and, and all that. But when it comes down to it, you look after each other, don't you? You, you really do. And what if what if we viewed one another that way? And I'm not just, talk, just talking about lust. But, man, when we look at one another and say, All right, God, how do you view them? And so if they're already in your family, or if they're not in your family, I mean, it's like thinking you got a cousin or a brother or a sister that's engaged to be married and, and that other person is not in your family yet, but they're going to be. And, and if you viewed people in that way as well, to say, man, I I just, I want to see them through Jesus' eyes. If you, if you see them as saying, Jesus dying on the cross for that man, for that woman, for that girl, for that image that you're pulling out, that you're extracting for your own pleasure and just say, God, I don't, I don't want to use people, but rather I want to, I want to love people. It, it'll change us. It'll change us when he, when he makes us fishers of men. Now, with that metaphor being fishers of men, um, how many in here you guys have, have ever been fishing? How many in here? All right, most of you. How many in here you fish pretty, pretty frequently? I mean, you, you get out there pretty consistently. All right, we've got, got a few of them uh, that are out there. Um, When you go out, when you go fishing, um, whether you're trolling or whether you throw a worm out or you got some chicken liver you drop at the bottom of the lake, try to get a big old catfish or whatever, whatever it might be, the chances are you got one piece of bait on one hook, and you're trying to get one fish, and then the chances are you may not even get get a fish. It may not even even happen. That's the way we think about fishing: is I'm out for a a fish. But when, when God says, when Jesus was saying to those guys, I'm going to make you fishers of men, that's not what they were thinking because that's not the way that they fished. They fished with these nets, these huge nets that would bring in thousands of fish. And so in their mind, they're thinking, this guy, I don't know exactly what he's up to, but he's saying something is going to change, change our world. This is huge. It's going to change everything. And, and here's, here's where I know some of you are, that you look at who you are, and you're like, God, God can't use me in that way. He can't, he can't use me to change thousands of people. If you're a Christian in here, I want to I I I rebuke you if you think that way, because I've got to rebuke myself at times. I want you to know that God, when he's in a person's life, over that lifetime, there's going to be thousands of people that are brought in to the faith, that are brought into the family as a result of who God has made you. Do you know what our big problem is? We don't believe. We don't believe that. Because we look and we see our warts. We look in the mirror. It's like, well, nobody would ever follow me. I don't think any one person will ever come to Christ as a result of who I am. You are wrong. Because it's not all hinged upon you. It's all on God. But it's going to be little seeds that are planted through you and others to where at the end of your life as a Christian, we're going to see that there, there's, a, there's a capture rate. There's going to be many people that have, that have come to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of how God uses idiots like me and you. And He will. But I say believe it. Believe it. One of the things that... that um, that we, we see in here is he was talking to guys that they're fishermen. They were already fishermen, and and so, I mean, he, if they were doing something else, God would have used a, a different metaphor for for who they are. And, and you know what this means? This doesn't mean that oh shucks, I, I'm not a I'm not a shrimper, I'm not a fisherman, so God wouldn't have chosen me to be His disciple. Well, if you know the story, there was just a few of them that were fishermen. There was tax collectors who. were you know, a tax collector who was basically mafia. You know, Gr- criminal dude, and and uh, there was a, a guy who was a, a religious zealot. Who I man, he was just—he was a guy that would have had like the sandwich boards, and you know, the end—the end is near, and repent, and just waiting for God to come and crush everybody. And I mean, there was just there was a mixed bag of of men that were a part of of these disciples that that he chose, and and ultimately, what you need to know is who you are, and what you do, what your abilities are, that God intends to use them for His glory. He intends to do this. doesn't matter where you are. I mean, you may be a student. It's like, well, I can't, I can't do very much. I can't be much of, of an impact because I'm just, I'm just a student. I'm in classes. That's bull. God can use you because He is the powerful one because He is the hero that's in your life. A, a, a verse that, we, that I cling to a lot is 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That means as you analyze who you are, what your skill set is, what your personality is, even as you look at the good, the, the bad that's in your life, even the ugly, the stuff that's happened to you, God is so big that He will use even the ugly and take what's ashes and make it beautiful, and people's lives are changed. Again, why, what's our big problem with that? We just don't believe. We just don't believe. And I, I, I'd say, in a, just a childlike way, I encourage you, just to say, say, "God, I believe." or at the very least to say, "Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help us, help us, God. Follow Jesus. He will make, he will do it. He does the change. Don't put the change upon your shoulders. It's a thing of, of intimacy that when we draw near to him, if we, if we become intimate with God, we incarnate. If we become intimate with Jesus, we incarnate Jesus. I don't mean reincarnation, don't. Don't get freaked out here. Um, when you draw near to his heart, you become his mouth, his hands, and his feet. You become Jesus with skin on again. Uh, an example of this, it's a pretty silly example, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, is just think of uh, think of yourself as as a glove. And uh, how many of y'all that you've ever had a, a leather work glove and, and it got, you worked out in the rain, or or it just got wet, and uh, you got done. You you threw it down. The next time you went to pick pick it up, you know, to put it on, you know, it had it had dried, and it looked like somebody with with palsy had 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 been in it before, and the, and everything was shrunken in there. And so, for you to get your hand in there to to use it, it's like you're having to force it, you know. And you may bust a seam. You may, I mean, the the leather might even split as a result of it, you know. Um, what we're like is see we're the glove and Jesus is the hand and many times to try to, to try to do what God wants us to do to try to be who God wants us to be to be that fisherman of men or an engineer of men or a teacher of men to be able to be a part of God's mission we try to focus on, on, on being that glove that does, that does the work and what God says he says just l- go limp surrender, don't fight the hand God says look I, I'm going to touch, touch thousands of people through you over your, over your years not for you and for your glory but for him and what an honor that would be but he says look, just don't fight against the hand just go limp that's the key, that's the key of the Christian life is, it's one of passivity, that is our action in, what sanctification is, your growth, is that we just say, I surrender. God, do your work. And he says, I'll make you. Come to me and I'll make you. And I'll use you the way you have your strengths and your abilities and gifts. And I will even use those dark parts of your life that you hope that nobody ever knows about. I'm going to take it. I'll redeem it. And it will be a part of helping others. Come. He'll make you. He'll make you into a, a fisher of men. And that's what we say as we, we say, God, would you, would you come? Would you explode through us? Acts four, thirteen. You know, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they'd been with Jesus. You know, I mean, these, these folks, they getting back to the whole thing of intimacy and incarnation, the more they were with Christ, the more it made an impact with them. It's a passive thing. It's like, I don't have to go out and do it. I just need to spend time with Jesus and go limp and the hand will work through me. Are you with me? God'll do the work. And I mean, these guys, I mean, these are the heroes of the faith you know and it, and it says that basically after preaching a sermon it's like if i got through here and somebody comes up and say you know what i can tell you've like never really been to bible college or seminary or anything right do i, do I get this right you know with you or, or or somebody come and say you know what i can tell that you've have you ever had grammatical training or you've never had a public speaking course before right pastor you know i mean for somebody to come up and to, to say those kind of things and uh, you know and that's, that's the kind of things that they, they noticed about these men. Uh, they, they realized that they'd not been formally cha- trained, but there was something about them. There's something about them. And what was it? They've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. So, I mean, i will offer it out to you. I mean, how would you like to be a part of the greatest cause in the world, which is to see people with the human condition to find hope, find people that are. Dead in their own sins to find life in Christ. I just love to be a part of that and seeing people's eyes light up and to find the love of their life and, and the reason for their being. You just got to go limp. You just got to go limp and say, God, you, you do it. You be the hand. So I'll just be the glove. He said, Come. Come and I'll make you. I'll make you a fisher of men. This is, uh, this is Easter. We're celebrating the cross of Jesus Christ. We're celebrating that, that Jesus rose again from the dead. And we're saying we believe that. And I don't know if you've ever tried to find yourself in the story. I don't know if you've read it. I, I challenge you that if, if you hadn't, that you'd take a look uh, in, in the Bible and, and just read, read, from, read from the point of... Uh, even what would have been their Thursday, what was considered what now we call Monday, Thursday, uh, where in Monday just means mandate. It's the day of the day of mandates, and the mandate was love one another as I've loved you, is what he gave to them. That's that's what that meant. And uh, but to read from that of where Jesus, he he had the supper with them. He instituted communion, and then he washed their feet. Read from that point to the end. And just find yourself. Where, where do you find yourself in the story? And I find myself in several of the people. But let me po- point this out to you guys. Let me put all of us in that story. All of us are Barabbas. Barabbas was a criminal, a violent criminal that he was about to get justice for his actions. And instead, they took Jesus, who was completely innocent of crimes, and they put him in Barabbas' place, and Barabbas went free. Guys, I am Barabbas, and you are Barabbas. No, probably none of you in here has ever murdered somebody like Barabbas must have done, or any of the violent crimes out there maybe you did but we we have all rejected Jesus we've all been in a place where we say no even among us that are religious and spiritual to say I I think good things and I can salute Jesus but I can't surrender he's not my Lord he's a good example but he's not a Lord in that we are all Barabbas and Jesus died For all of us, Barabbases, all of us. And His grace is poured out on us. We all turn away. We all betray and reject. He owes us nothing but justice. And yet, Jesus still chooses disciples. He still does. He still calls disciples. Matt, will you get the the chair? He still calls disciples. Um, Our our journey group... um, We've got a couple of a couple of friends in there uh, that are adults that have come to faith in Jesus Christ just in the last couple of years. Um, I asked a couple of them if they would come and let me just kind of interview them um, today. And Jr. can come on. Jr. Um, was uh, was one, and he's Jr. Booker, and he is uh, good job. Um. He's out of town, so he couldn't be here. Lisa Mills is uh, the other one. Make yourself at home, Lisa. Um, And uh, it's interesting, the contrast between between J.R., who was really an irreligious person, one that, I mean, more on the agnostic, atheistic side, rejecting, and Lisa more on the life of growing up in a church and being very religious, but yet not fully surrendered. Uh, and just to see the contrast of how God still chooses disciples. But, uh, Lisa, um, thanks again for coming up. And, uh, um, I mean, I just let's start where we started last time. And just talk just a little bit. I mean, you're an adult. I mean, why, why surrender your life to Jesus?
1: Um, well, like I told the earlier service, I grew up in a, um, a church going home, um, but we didn't talk about the gospel a lot. It wasn't central to our lives and so um, I uh, we love reading in my family books are really really big at least to me and um, uh, as I grew up around the age of 12 I started reading Christian romance novels and um, the older I got it became more of an addiction and a coping mechanism and uh, along with that too I I had a hard time um, I struggling to believe that I was saved. I would, something bad would happen, and, and I would start to doubt because I hadn't performed well. But if I was performing well, then, you know, Jesus and I were okay. So, um, fast forward to this last August, and I started nursing school, and things are really, really hard, and, um, uh, it, the addiction culminated into pornography, and, uh, God was really good. He, um, helped me uh, get to know somebody who could point me to a counselor that i could talk to and um, one of the hardest things i've ever done is walk into that room and and be honest about who i was and they weren't impressed with me and all my life you know i know a lot of scripture and um, people have been impressed with me and and they weren't and um, when you see yourself for who you are in your sin it is a terrifying thing. And so through that process and counseling, um, I came to figure out that I wasn't a believer because I just didn't care. I, I wanted what I wanted. I wanted my fix, which never lasts. It always goes away and leaves a bigger um, desire in the wake. So um, it was really, really hard. I call those three months in counseling, like that it was as close to hell as I ever want to get. never want to do it again. And um, it kind of came to a head for me. I couldn't make any headway or figure out what was keeping me from God, and um, it was my pride because I wanted to be the one to save myself. You know, Jesus could have ninety-seven percent, but I wanted three percent to say, "This is why you should accept me." And um, one night, they had—I had gotten done with counseling, and they had um, used a parable in Luke eighteen, and the, it's the priest, and he comes to the temple and he says, thank God I'm not like those people. You know, I've got it, I basically I've got it together and that was me. You know, I had sat there and judged other people because they didn't know as much or weren't performing as well as me. And, um, and here I was in a place I thought I would never be. You know, I was the girl that was never gonna, I don't know, do those kinds of things or um, I was gonna save my first kiss from marriage. And you know, I, w- I was the good girl, I had that image, but um, suddenly I couldn't fix the problem. There was no way out, and um, so I listened to this sermon by Mark Driscoll on the same passage, and he gets he gets through the end of it, and he says something that I'll never forget. Yeah. He said, "You're always trusting in something. It's either your work or God's work, and the difference is when you're trusting in your work, you have to keep on working. It never ends, and it had never it had never ended for me." I could never be good enough. And um, then he said, but what was the last thing that Christ said right before he died? He said, it is finished. And um, here was a God who had seen me as I hope, you know, no one else will, in my filth and disgustingness and nastiness, and he, he loved me. He absolutely loved me, and I didn't have to fix anything before he loved me. And so on um, January 1st of this year, I surrendered and became a believer. That's
0: awesome. Um, we're talking a little bit, especially from her story about religion. and you might be in here and say, "Well, religion, that's Christ- Christianity's religion, right? And I just wanna, I want to provide a delineation again. Um, what religion is, religion, any kind of religion that's out there, means if I follow a certain code of conduct, morality, values, that whatever higher power there is or even isn't, that I will, I will achieve nirvana uh, or I'll do better reincarnation through karma, uh, that, um, that someday the God, whatever kind of God there is, they'll accept me because I'm good enough. That's what every other religion outside of Christianity is, but Christianity is a complete flip of that. where God says, no, you cannot do it. You never will be able to be good enough because God is that big and holy and different from you. You can't get to Him. So God says, I'm coming to you. And so what what Lisa expresses uh, is one that's very common in the Bible Belt where ultimately there's people that that just say, I can be good enough and God will have to accept me. The religion either takes you to that point of, of, uh, of arrogance and of manipulation to say, God, you've got to do this for me, or it takes you to such a place of implosion because you know you can never do it, that you think that God can never love me, He could never accept me because I will never be good enough. Both of those are the extremes of religion. Arrogance to say, I can or I will be good enough and I'll be accepted by God. Or the other side that says, if if, I've got to be good enough, I'll never, ever make it. And see, Jesus died to crush both of those. The arrogance to where we think, I can save myself, he crushed it on the cross. And the other thing of the hopelessness of some that maybe even in here that just says, I don't know if I could be loved by God. I don't know that I could be accepted. And what we're telling you today is, yes, yes, you're loved enough. Jesus died on the cross. He took all of your sins upon him so that you could be loved and be accepted. Uh, there's one of the things that, that you said that um, still stands out. And if you, if you wouldn't mind going to that, to that uh, section of your story.
1: Um, I had struggled with my salvation for so long um, and I couldn't figure out what the difference was between growing up in the church and now and you know what had changed. And... Um, Like I told you, I love story, and um, what I realized was that before, Jesus was a beautiful story to me, but um, I didn't need him yet, and it's hard for us to tell people that they're sinners, but they can't come to him any other way, And, um, and I was finally in a place where I couldn't fix it, and there was no hope for me. This addiction was, it owned me. I was in slavery, but he, I, I needed him. So, that, that's the difference. Yeah.
0: So, we got a, we've got a savior. Jesus is called the friend of sinners. And, and look around. Uh, look at yourself. And, and uh, I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you've not accomplished. It doesn't matter what you're in the middle of right now. I mean, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you so very much. There's nothing that you can do that's bigger than the cross. There's no sin you can commit that is greater than His love for you. And you know, so what I say to you today, if you're an unbeliever, is I say, come and He will make you a fisherman. Come and He will make you. He will, he will give you life. So I say, come. God, uh, may, uh, may, you do, uh, may you do the work even right now of, of drawing men, women, or kids to yourself, God, and, and that there'd be some or some that today would be the, the day that they're, that they're saved, that they just release and just say, all right, I'm not going to just salute Jesus anymore, but I surrender everything. And uh, in fact, I, I just feel led uh, just even to, to make that call out to the folks who are in here. Um, not because of me or anyone else in the room, but just listening to the spirit of God himself as he's doing something in your heart, if you recognize that so I man something is, something's different, so, something's changing within me that if you sense that and you, you just know I mean something's happening within you, just just know that God is calling you. He's calling you as a disciple right now and I, I just say, just just surrender and uh, love to Love to process that with you uh, after we get done. If there's, if there's any of you that you know. Okay, t- today's the day. Today's the day. I'm ready. Uh, God has changed my heart, and I surrender to Christ. Uh, you don't need me for Jesus to save you, but love to be love to be a part of that. Um, and Christians just continue to to pray and for God's continued work in your life as well. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, this is what we're going to do as uh, as a response uh, to the Lord in this in this. Uh, these guys are going to play through a song in just a second. But as I said, with the communion, if uh, uh, if and people are going to be up and down. If you're not a believer, it's so okay.